What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of The Facts Project. I am your host, James Grandmaster Facts Boys. Thank you for joining me again. So I really want to get right into it. So for the past couple of weeks, last week and this current week, we're now at the end of July. We're in the mid of convention season. So as of last week, San Diego Comic-Con, which is, of course, is like the mecca of Comic-Cons throughout the entire nation, pretty much has now come and gone. And I got to say, from what I've been seeing on social media, what I've been seeing basically brought out from my peers, it looks like the comic game, regardless of what has ha been happening with the writer strike and the the actor strike that is ha now happening in the middle of Los Angeles, uh, striking against uh, the motion picture studios that are basically lambasting them and causing them to be out there on the streets doing doing the damn thing, fighting for their own cause. Comic-Con was merely about the comics. And it was excellent to see. You know, people that you wouldn't normally see platformed or put on a pedestal actually got their shine. And I feel as though this is going to continue because... You know, we're at a dynamic in the world to where major motion pictures and streaming and social media are now at a at a crossroads because as new as the Internet has been and as new as streaming has been, it's pretty much at the point now where the contracts for all this thing, nobody generally understands how to pay these people. There's been issues going on with content creators and writers and actors and the scabs crossing the line and everything. And no, I'm I'm noticeably seeing this from people that I personally know. But to get back to it, the conventions have been dynamically uh, more so for the for the sense of the word about the comics. Comic-Con was about comic books and it's time, I feel like it's a good place because it's time for a lot of people to just come back to the medium. Come back to us. You have to understand, for those of us that read these on a particular longevity basis, that have been that have consistently continued to read them, it is our time to talk about them in entirely, in, in entirety. Because there is some excellent writing that's happening in comic books now, not only in mainstream, but preferably in the indies. You know, you got indies getting nominated for Eisner's. You got indies getting nominated for Ringo Awards. You know, I know that basically my platform is to elevate the, the art of creating independent comics. That is literally my job. So, but also I am a proponent for all comic books, all of it. You know, the artwork, the marketing behind it. Some things I agree with, some things I don't. But more so, I want to see the art form of it to continue to stay on a level platform because there's consistently always this depression about it. You got to actually love this shit in order to do it because 
at the end of the day, you might not make the biggest amount of money, but if you love making comic books, you love the artwork and you love writing these stories, that's all it's about right now. You know, uh, necessarily when you see all these things uh, pretty much happening around what movies and TV are going through, we still have to understand that there is not a full base guild for comic book writers. There's not a full base guild for comic book artists. And there's continuous manipulation that is happening uh, in the comic book industry, which comes to the forefront a lot because most people don't seem to understand. They think that basically if you write a continuous long run issue by maybe your favorite character that this person is making millions of dollars when that necessarily is not the case because in the act of streaming and because in the act of adaption rights, adaptation rights, um, when it comes to those live action adaptations, how much of that money is basically getting put back in your pocket for your creation. That still has not even hit the table. And it's more so now at this standstill because, of course, we're talking about the writers and the actors that are basically on strike right now. But there's a lot more to it. Um, I'm consistently seeing, of course, the, the butting of heads between content creators who are hired by these studios to do the marketing, it, who have worked their ass off to do brand marketing for a lot of these studios and their work has consistently stopped. And if they haven't stopped, they're being called out for it. And that sucks. You know, it's, it's a double-edged sword because you want to continue to do your work and promotion of these films. But if you got actors, working actors telling Tom Cruise, motherfucker, get the fuck off of promoting your mission impossible movie and get out here on this line with us, because if we on strike, you won't strike. But necessarily, I think it's 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 an opportunity for a lot of people in the comic book industry to talk in great favor about the comic books that they're putting out, because this could continue for a good long while, and necessarily, you know. Hopefully not into the next year, but as of right now, with San Diego Comic Con being done, uh, Blurred Con, Blurred Con was just this week, just wrapped up. This week, you got Terrific Con over in Connecticut, you got Dream Con down in Texas, hot as balls down there. But you know, it's an opportunity for a lot of people who you necessarily would not see promoting comics on a very large scale. And if it continues going into September, October, it might hit New York Comic Con. And I'll be looking forward to that. You know, because I'm one of those people where I'm not there to uh, basically see what's what the sneak peeks and everything that are coming up from the brand new shows that are happening between Disney, Marvel, Universal, so on and so forth. I'm I literally make a beeline to Artist Alley to see exactly what my favorite comic book creators have up their sleeve, what commissions that they're doing at that at that time, and 
doing signings of issues that I've collected over this time frame. People that I've talked to on this podcast. You know, shout out to Hilton George, of course, from BlurredCon, because I've had an opportunity to talk to him last year when BlurredCon was out. That episode, of course, you can go back and, and look into that as well. Um, comic book conventions can be seen in a certain form of fashion. For one, before the act of the internet and digital marketplaces to where people have the ability to put up a website and sell their comic books online using like Shopify or whatever email format that they wanted to use, MailChimp or something like that, to reach out to their customers and basically tell them that my book is out. This is issue one, two, three, four, and I'm selling it for this price. And I got a PayPal and I got a Shopify and you can order it at your, at your whim. Beforehand, before that was possible, Comic-Cons were the thing. People would show, it would literally, I, I always put the analogy of comic books and hip hop to be almost at the same type of tier of promotion because I'm, I of course am somebody who runs nightclubs. I was used to the DJ walking in with crates at one point in time, crates of records, you know, loading them into the club and basically playing playing each song at whim in order to get aroused from the crowd. And he's literally shuffling through shit. So when you see like dollar bins and you seeing basically like uh, indie comic creators who basically have a table for the day and are trying to basically put out, put out their best pitch in order to sell their comic. That is like, it's like an auctioning floor. You know, they're coming up with their sons and their kids and everything like that. And they're trying to, you know, they're trying to sell their book by basically telling you exactly what it is or maybe something that it is comparable to so that you can buy it. You know, if you like this record, I'm, uh, DJs break that record. Basically, if you never heard it, they somebody might have paid the DJ and he plays that record just to see what the reaction from the audience is. Comic book creators and writers and so on and so forth and the artists and everything are putting this out to the world, whether it's them or basically their publishers trying to sell you on exactly what this comic does to you. You know, I do it in the fact that I get to talk about comics on a weekly basis and brand new comics every single week. You know, so these are comics that you have never heard of that somebody conjured in their mind, regardless of how long it took them. It may have been a childhood dream that came upon them when they were like uh, five and they built the character from there and they built this storyline from there. And then you come to find out that not all comic books are based on capes and secret identities and everything like that. You know, that there is genre bending comic books that are pretty much out there. Like, of course, we're, we understand superheroes as being an American mythology. And I, we talk about that often. But the fact that you have an act of storytelling to where you can implement drama, horror, thrillers, psychological thrillers, comedy, action, martial arts, and put them all in one to where you create this world that nobody's ever seen before. And that's the selling point. You know, um, I talked about like a, a few weeks ago, 
um, how animation might be the move in the realm of comic books. In, in this now substantial world of people, I'm not going to say that they're moving away from live action um, because the act of comic book movie making is still profitable. Now, we might be away from the days because the pandemic happened to where we were doing a lot of billion-dollar projects. But Guardians 3 is up to about, like, $800 million. You know, across the Spider-Verse is up to $677 million for an animated project. You know? So it's, it's not teetering on the wrong lines if animation is generally the move if you're releasing it as a theatrical release and all you need is voice actors not to say it's like cheapening the brand it's not the aesthetic is still right there a couple months ago i had an individual podcast where i talked about the the jaded view of overconsumption of comic book properties and i talked about that in a certain manner because it was it was more so deemed that, okay, when we start to basically dive into an entire universe from one publisher, there might be the act of getting tired of it. And in and in terms of saying this, I'm talking about Marvel. Because even in the act of the MCU as a whole, things that have been released theatrically and things that have been released through streaming are two different two different things to me and i felt like you know they released nine projects through disney plus and had have tried to release you know some brand new characters other than the ones that we were used to seeing you can't keep an actor in a in a chokehold to make him play that character for 25 years Samuel L. Jackson is pretty much the only one that is taking the reins of doing it this long. Like Chris Hemsworth might be the only other one. But at some point, they'd be like, bro, I want to do other shit. <laughs> you know? So we're looking at it through this lens. We're like, oh man, and you know, it's really, it's not what it was, you know, when the MCU started. But when the MCU started, it was almost like still at the same point that comic book movies. We're just arriving. So the excitement was like on 20. So of course you 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 loved everything that was being released at that time. So and and was that 08? You know, 05, 08 during that time. So th they had these Comic Cons where they would introduce these characters, Hall H over at San Diego Comic Con, and they would they would put people on stage and you would see them in this rousing applause. And sometimes they would even make the actor get into the outfit that they're going to play. Remember when Loki arrived or when Batman and Superman got announced, even though it was trash. But, you know, those those singular things that happened at Comic-Con took away from the medium that basically made those characters and those actors that were on that stage popular. and certain things started to happen. One, DC started to kill it with the comics that they were putting out. Tons of them. <laughs> Tons of them. And they were all great, you know? And even in Marvel, 
you know, even, uh, yo, because Spider-Man is like their number one popular character. Something happened in 2018. It's 2023 now. So it's five years ago. And it was one of the best eye-opening moments, probably in comics. And I, personally, for me, and that was House of X, Powers of X. Literally almost within that same year, maybe a year before, a year after, Kevin Foggy now takes over creative control over Marvel Comics. So it's almost implemented in the same breath that he was going to oversee what the comics that were coming out were going to be like and then try to translate them into the movies. So certain things kind of like brought us to like, okay, is this going to interfere? Because I don't want the movies interfering with what I read with comics. Jonathan Hickman took over the X-Men series in 2018 with House of X, Powers of X. And it's still kind of running at the same pace where the drama is substantial, where like there was literally an, an event. And I don't even want to spoil anybody last week because there was a hellfire, a hellfire gala that literally happened last week to where there's this crazy ass event that pretty much happens to where it locks into that x-men is just still the shit regardless of how you put it the and 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 people will say well I, you know i don't really like x-men because of the politics that are involved with those comics or anything but that's what's intriguing you can't just have the superhero beat up the villain throw him in jail and then start all over again you know like just literally on a quantum leap of different adventures every single time. That's the silver age of comics. And that was cool for that time being for people that were interested in, interested in it during that time. But that's not now. You want a long provoked series that keeps you intrigued that you will want to read over and over and over again. Immortal Hulk. The Venom series with Don, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. Uh, what was it? Uh, dark, dark multiverse, um, from DC. Uh, it, 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 the, the comics can go on and on as far as the mainstream from the big two, but then you had like something is killing the children and like, uh, excellence from image comics that came out during that time. Nubia that came out from DC and then. Also, in the midst of all this, tons and tons of indie comics. So when I talk about, like, I, I think I talked about it maybe last year, how Kickstarter every single fucking year has hit a, a whole new goal of how much they make. How much, well, not how much they make, but how much comics have made by being sold on their platform. And it's a ton of money. It's gone from 22 to 28 to 30 in a matter of three years. So who's to say exactly what's pretty much going to be happening this year? Because there's a lot of people that think that they're in a stalemate, that the, that the world of indie comics is not what it is. When I completely see the opposite, there's a lot of people making a good amount of money on there. There's a lot of people who have been snatched out of Kickstarter and then been thrown into the adaptive development world in live action uh, movie motion pictures, which probably is at a standstill now because of the strike. 
I want you to know that the whole act of comic book making is the echelon. This is the beginning point. You know, this is exactly what it takes for a lot of the stories to get exactly where they are, whether they're loosely based, because of course I've had this discussion over and over about how source material and cinematic universes are always going to piss you off. But there's an understandable notion now that has clicked in my mind because what could you give in a two hour movie that you can't give in a 12 issue comic? You have to take some pieces out. Certain people just can't be there, so on and so forth. And it was a it was a constant dilemma that I had to work through. And I've I've come to a compromise. Because there's nothing to take in anymore. But with the the introduction of a lot of superheroes that are pretty much have hit your TVs, whether it's streaming or major, major motion pictures. I say this, um, if you're going to bring somebody that may not, maybe a niche character that nobody is that familiar with, bring forth the writers that know exactly what the fuck they're doing to, to make this, to make it easier for the audience. They have to make it easier for the audience. You know, I understand that there's a lot involved. You don't want to make it R. You, you don't want to make all your comic books R-rated. You want to have a PG-13 version, PG version, so on and so forth. And you don't want to, you want to be able to sell to everybody, not only throughout the continental United States, but you want to sell it worldwide. So therefore, it's almost like the intellectual integrity of exactly what the comic book was written on has to be dumbed down. I don't necessarily agree to that. And it's disheartening. So that's probably the main reason why I read a lot more indie comics, because I know they're not going to be diluted into this water-based Kool-Aid flavor oh, it's still water, but it's got flavor to it type shit. Like, I want the pure raw cut in my hand. It just sounded like I was talking about cocaine. But no, <laughs> I'm talking about how these comics are being written. All right? It's uh, inevitably on a lot of creators nowadays uh, for them to do exactly what is needed for us to stay at that point, because the window for a lot of creators to be on this platform where there's no movies and no TV happening is going to be a short window. So how can you and me, and me make sure that we bolster this genre, this medium, your platform as big as it could possibly be? Because in the middle of a convention season and a lot of people want to sell books, we have to understand we're not going to be uh, we're not going to be in the spotlight for that long. All right. So let me know what you guys think. 
This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice. I appreciate everybody joining me today on the podcast. Feel free to watch the Facts Project on every single platform that is out there uh, where you can where you can hear your favorite podcast. So from the Facts Project, we are out. Mm-hmm.